Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper. It is so good to have you with us today. And today we are on the second uh, look and get our sermon series on bare fruit. And um, it's all about the fruit of the Spirit, obviously. And we're looking today at love, which I preached on on Sunday. And uh, the passage I used was 1 Corinthians 13. That incredible passage all about love. And I would love you to read it now. So do please pick up your Bible, find 1 Corinthians 13, press pause, read the passage, and then restart the video. Fantastic. This is a, a beautifully written passage, isn't it? We've How many times have we all heard at a wedding? And uh, it's no surprise it's used at a wedding. It's, it's all about love and it's just beautifully written. Um, but of course, it's not really about marriage. It includes marriage, but it's much more than that. It, this is about how Christians relate to one another and relate to those outside of the church. It's about our attitude and an attitude that we should have of love. The Corinthian church was a church that was struggling in many ways, quite dysfunctional. It had some major issues, uh, relational issues, issues about the spiritual gifts, issues about worship, uh, doctrinal issues. And it's, it's no surprise that the two letters to the Corinthians, and there's another one that we, uh, we do not have, uh, but Paul refers to it, uh, it's no surprise that these are long letters because the, the depth of the issues that the Corinthian church was facing was, was quite profound. And so uh, in the letters, Paul addresses some of the issues. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 13, we have Paul saying, look, you know, this is how you've been. This is how you've been, the issues you've been facing. But then he says at the end of chapter 12, but I want to show you a better way. I want to show you a better way of how to be together. Let's love one another. And uh, 1 Corinthians 13 follows 1 Corinthians 12, obviously. Uh, and 1 Corinthians 12 was all, as Paul saying, look, you know, you're a, the body of Christ. You're all connected to one another. You need to understand that, that uh, you are deeply connected. And the way in which we are able to move together as a connected body is to love one another. And the love he's talking about is, is agape. That's the word he uses here. And there are four words in Greek that are used for love. Uh, each means something slightly different. One is about friendship love. One is about romantic love. Um, there's, there's different types. So in the English language, we basically really only have the word love. You could use affection. That's one way of describing some aspects of love. Um, but generally, we just say, you know, I love chocolate or I love my wife or I love the church or I love football. And it's all kind of a bit of a jumble. And it's all about one word, love. And it means different things in different contexts. Uh, agape love, the word that Paul uses here, is, is the kind of love that God has for us. It's unconditional and it's self-giving and that's what Paul's talking about here the kind of love that we should have for one another it's kind of ironic as well that Paul is teaching the Corinthian church about love because the the patron deity of Corinth uh, was Aphrodite the goddess of love and yet they didn't understand love at all and in many ways what Paul is doing here is being counter-cultural in their understanding of the word love. 
He's developing a, a new understanding for them, developing a new culture within church that is all around a different kind of love that they're experiencing within the rest of the city. Now, this passage is uh, is a as a, is a deep passage in all sorts of ways. Uh, and so there will be some things I just need to pass over just for the sake of time. Uh, and I'm breaking the chapter into three sections uh, just to make it easier for us to follow. Uh, and the first section is verses one to three. And here Paul's talking effectively about the importance of love. Uh, I said on Sunday that you know what this passage says to me, this part, these verses is, it, that love defines us because there are different ways in which you can define ourselves and um and what does paul say here he says you know look if i speak in the tongues of men of angels you know if i'm able to to move in the power of the holy spirit but I don't have love i'm nothing um if i have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and if i have knowledge there's different things there isn't there so there's the there's the prophetic stuff about speaking the word of god there's fathering all mysteries, which is kind of really about wisdom. Uh, and then there's simply knowledge. Uh, I could know about lots of things, but if I don't have love, then here he says, I am nothing. I could have the faith that moves mountains, he says. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. And then he moves on to a different kind of thing. He then talks about um if I give uh, all I possess to the poor, my body over to hardship. In other words, what he's saying there is, you know, I can count my life as expendable, but if it's not done out of a context and the motivation of love, then what's the point? So Paul's basically saying that in all the things you do, and he's not saying that these things are wrong or bad. He's saying, look, these things, even these things, the most important things that you can do, Prophecy, speaking God, God's words to others. I mean, how, how important is that? If you can't do that in love, then don't do it at all. It's love that makes it effectively Christ-like and Christian. Without love, he says, we're simply making a lot of noise. We're a sounding gong. Uh, we're worthless. But he says, I am nothing. And we gain nothing. We get nothing out of this. There is no fruit out of it. There is no end product out of it because it's not done in love. And then the second section is verses four uh, to the begin, uh, first part of verse eight. And this is a deeply practical definition of love, isn't it? And Paul in this, he describes some things about what it is and some things about what it isn't. And I'm not going to go through every single phrase, but I've tried to hear, uh, just say other phrases that sum up something that he's trying to say here. And um, so let me just say that, uh, some of the things that I think he's saying. He's basically saying, live, be prepared to live with the shortcomings of others. In other words, be patient and kind. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? You know, love is actually saying, I understand that you are a sinful, weak, failed, broken person. And I'm going to be patient and kind with you. And we are all those people, aren't we? If we're truly honest with ourselves, we're all sin sinful, broken people. Uh, and we all need to, to be shown kindness to and patience to. And we need to show that to others. 
He's saying that when people who are loving, they are both humble. In other words, they are not bigging themselves up, but they do lift others up. That is what love is. He's saying that love is forgiving. You know, it keeps no record of wrongs. And and that's so important, isn't it? That if we're able to truly love one another in the church, then that we're able to say, look, yeah, I'm sorry, I messed up there. Forgive me. And the other person forgives. Love always wants the best for others. In other words, it protects, it looks after, it's it's wanting to, to encourage. And not just wants the best for others. Here's another thing which I think is quite important. It sees the best in others. So when Paul says, you know, always trusts and hopes, love sees the potential in people and longs for the best for them and, and wants to see the best in them. You know, all too often churches are, are riddled with suspicion and that's not love. Churches can be riddled with attitudes that are all about, you know, I'm not sure about that person and that person's not like me and I think that person's doing something wrong and all a kind of tittle-tattle. That's not love. Love sees the best in someone. Love is honest. You know, it always speaks the truth. And then there's something in there, isn't there, about love being there for the long haul. I mean, it finishes with the first part of verse 8, love never fails. But he also says before that, love perseveres. And, you know, when we are in relationship and community, we need to be prepared to be there for the long haul, to put up with each other and say, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. I'm going to love you choose to love you no matter what and you know that's the big thing here that i want to just draw out so that the agape love is always a choice to act and that's that's uh far more so when uh, the bible talks about agape than the others like eros or filio um i may have got that wrong can't remember my greek properly um agape is much more about the choice to act in a loving way and that's what we see here in, in this passage, isn't it? It's choosing to act in a certain way. That's what love is, according to Paul. And, uh, you know, just, just take the moment, press pause and just read through those that description again. You know, just take time to reflect on every phrase because it is all about what you do. It's none of, none of it is about how you feel. It's not abstract in any, any way. It's a very concrete definition of love. And uh, we need to take that on board. That if we are to agape one another, we are choosing to live in a certain way. We are choosing to treat people in a certain way. And then there's the, the, the last section. And uh, this is, is a little bit different in some ways. And what, what's Paul saying here? Well, he's basically saying that, that love is the one thing that will outlast everything else. So he begins by saying, you know, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there's tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Uh, and, you know, the, you could look at that in two ways. That, you know, the, where there is the move of the Spirit in amongst us, you know, that's not around forever. Because when we're in heaven, it's all going to be a bit different. Uh, there is knowledge and the, the knowledge of God and our knowledge of scripture. Again, that will pass away because we'll be in the presence of God 
and it'll be different. But the thing that will outlast both of those things is love. In this, uh, uh, these verses, there's, there's a line that some people have um, misunderstood. I'll say that kindly. Uh, so where it says, uh, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. So in the NIV and in every other Bible version, I think, uh, it has that as a future uh, tense. They will be. Uh, there is... Um, the possibility and it's a slight possibility of translating the the greek to say these things have ceased and have been stilled so in other words they have stopped and of course there are many christians who believe that the gifts of the spirit have stopped um but that in from what my understanding of, of uh, what greek scholars are saying that that would be uh, a real push to say that that is what Paul is saying here, that he is saying something about the future. The whole context of those final verses is about the future and not the present. Everything that Paul says uh, elsewhere about the gifts of the Spirit indicates that he's talking about these as an ongoing thing for Christians. Uh, there's nothing about him ever saying that this is stopping. It would be a push to say, yeah, this is about, that's a present tense. Um, and there are, there are very few Greek scholars who would want to argue that. So it would be wrong, I would suggest, to, to say that this is the, the verse that says, oh yeah, all spiritual gifts are finished. Uh, in verse 9, there's some interesting statements. Where he says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. And there he's simply saying that, you know, our understanding here and now of the work of the Spirit and, and, and the Word of God, our understanding of these things is incomplete. And, and I guess we could all understand that, can't we? You know, I don't know about you, but every time I open the Bible, I've still got more questions about what does all this mean? Every time I do one of these deepers, I'm still trying to work out what does all this mean? Our understanding of that is incomplete. Our understanding of how God acts in the world is incomplete. Uh, we do not know things perfectly. And that is why really Paul's saying, you know, let's love one another through all our disagreements because we don't know everything. We are struggling to work through this together. And then in 10, he says, uh, when, um, when completeness comes, or in some versions, when the perfect comes, uh, and there I think he's talking about the coming of Christ at the end of time. When what is past, that will disappear. But when the, Jesus comes, then we'll find what real perfection is. Then we'll really know God as he really is. Then we'll see him as he is. And then in verses 11 and 12, he, he's saying uh, pretty much the same thing. He's talking about how we all have to kind of grow into a sense of maturity and we are moving towards that for when Jesus comes back. And maturity isn't that, well, the spiritual gifts of that, that's all gone and all I need to do is love people. It, he's not saying that. He's saying we need to understand the true balance between the gifts of spirit, the word of God and our um, the responsibility upon us to love others. 
And uh, and he, I love that bit at the end. He says, now I know in part, and then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. See, we might have so many questions about all sorts of things. We might not understand everything. But the one thing we do know is that God knows us completely. We are fully known by God. There's nothing that he doesn't know about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And one day, we will know God in the same way. And then in verse 13, he says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Why is love the greatest? Because faith and hope will disappear when Jesus comes. There's there's an old hymn um, called uh, Gracious Spirit, Holy Ghost. I don't think I've ever sang it. Um, I've come across the, the words for it, um, but I I can't ever remember singing it anywhere. Uh, but there's a um, one of the verses says this. Faith will vanish into sight. Hope will be emptied in delight. And love in heaven will shine more bright. See, when we get to heaven, we, we don't need faith anymore. We, we will be living by sight. We will see God face to face. Uh, we won't need to hope anymore because we have the certainty of our relationship with God and the certainty of our uh, eternity with him. So that won't be needed anymore. But love will still be there. Love will shine even more brightly in heaven. That's where it will be made perfect. So let's spend a few moments thinking about how all this applies to us today. Okay, so let's go a little bit wider. Um, and just a few very simple points. I mean, you could just say all this. Well, look, learn how to love. And that's what Paul's saying. Um, and and that's where I want to begin, really. You know, how are we growing in love and growing in our understanding of Bible, the Bible definition of love? You know, not, not love as society sees it, which has become incredibly sexualized and erotic and all those kind of things. Um or very, um, very emotional. Um, it, love, I think, is much tougher than that. Love these days seems to be such a fragile, fleeting thing for most people. Uh, love is not that. Love is there for the long haul. Love never fails. And love here, we need to understand, is the choice to love, not the feeling of love. So how are we growing in our understanding of love and trying to develop it in our life and kind of shaking off the the societal influence to focus on on my feelings because you might not feel like you love people but you are still called to love them the second point uh, which we've already made is is understand the practical nature of love Love is is all about what you are able to give to people. You know, that middle section is so practical, isn't it? And uh, I would encourage you to think about what does that mean for you today? How are you demonstrating love for other people? And, you know, that list from Paul, it's not exhaustive. You know, the way in which you're able to express love to people is massive, isn't it? But just focus on a couple of little things in that uh, that section. You know, just the where, where Paul effectively talks about lifting others up, being humble, but honouring others. 
that's about lifting them up, isn't it? So I would encourage you to reflect on some of that. When I was reading this passage, and particularly in that middle section, um, you know, one of the issues that came up is just the difficulty of my own selfishness. You know, that, that's probably one of my biggest hindrances to loving other people in that I am effectively a selfish person, as many of us are. And that gets in the way. And so I need to reflect on how can I reduce the power of my own ego effectively in order to serve other people. Next point, perhaps to reflect on and to, um, to think through is about how you get the balance right. You know, loving people sometimes means all sorts of things, but in this context, Paul is particularly talking about the use of the spiritual gifts. You know, how, how are we going to operate the spiritual gifts and do that in love? But you could also apply it to how do we understand the word of God and apply it and preach it in love? It's both of those things, isn't it? And, you know, uh, there's a, a phrase that some preachers like to use that's talking about sometimes the tension between the work of the Spirit and the the, the preaching of the Word. Uh, and it goes something like, you know, if you're all Spirit and no Word, you blow up. If you're all Word and no Spirit, you dry up. Uh, and if you're Spirit and the Word, you grow up. Uh, which sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it's a great little phrase. Um, but it misses out love, doesn't it? You could be working in the power of spirit, effectively preaching and living out the word of God. But if it's not done in love, you're nothing but a clanging gong and it will gain you nothing. And we need to do both of those things in love. And the final point, and it's a point I made uh, on Sunday, is this, that in order to be able to love, we need to constantly come back to our Heavenly Father and understand and experience His love for us. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Because we only love because He first loved us. We only understand what agape truly is as we encounter it in Him. And so I would encourage you to take time this week to simply abide in him. Just sit and thank God for his love and just take the time out to, to stop the incessant doing of things and the, your mind racing. Just take time out just to be with God and to acknowledge his love for you. So let me give you some questions to, to talk about in your missional communities. So we're going to go a bit further now and uh, let's think about uh, the questions you can talk about. First one is this. Uh, how does the love described here in 1 Corinthians 13 compare to, to the love that is often defined in our culture? Just, just kind of reflect on that a little bit. You know, what's the difference between the two? Because that will shape or that will reveal perhaps the, the point of tension in our own lives when we start to think about how we love others. Because, yeah, I'm not going to say anything else because I'll be giving you the answers. And that's not what this is about, is it? So uh, just reflect on what Paul says here about love. What does our society say about love? 
where's where's the kind of points of conflict and contrast? Second question is this, a very simple question, but really difficult to answer. How can we grow in love? I gave a a few ideas on Sunday, but I would love you to share others and to talk about how you have discovered how you can love others more effectively. And the third question, which I'd like you to spend a bit of time on, um, is this. In that middle section where Paul describes what love is like, be honest, which aspects are you most likely to struggle with? And then what I'd like you to do is in your groups to pray for each other over that. Because certainly one of the ways in which we can grow in love is by praying for it and praying for each other that we might grow in it. So just take your time over that and be honest. So that's it for this week. It is so good that uh, you've joined us. I'm glad that we were able to uh, be together like this. Do have a great week. Join us on Sunday if you're able, either online or in person. And then join us again next Tuesday for the next edition of Deeper.